Jewish Money Matters, episode 288, Tamir Goodman, staying in the game for God. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. I have all these basketball things, but really it's the Jewish principles of like trying to make decisions from your the right side of your heart or like Judaism is like you save one person, you save the whole world. Like same thing with marketing. Like if you're good to one client, it's more powerful than any ad you'll take out on any newspaper yeah. or ever, you know, uh, all these Jewish concepts are like, that's the way I, I view money too, you know, making yeah. decisions, like not making decisions from like, like this whole competition world out there of like, if I help you, then you're going to get the client instead of me, or you one time didn't help me. So why would I help you? Like this whole negative energy of like revenge and jealousy and all that, like Judaism teaches us, don't make decisions from that part of your heart, make decisions from like optimistic side, the confident side, the yeah. side that's closer to Hashem. How should we make financial and business decisions? You just heard basketball superstar Tamir Goodman share some of what's helped him, not just with regards to money and business, but in basketball and in life. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. My guest, Tamir Goodman, was dubbed the Jewish Jordan by Sports Illustrated in 1999. He's a former professional basketball player and current successful entrepreneur, coach, educator, and motivational speaker. Tamir played professional college basketball while staying true to Jewish observance in the form of Shabbat, daily prayers, and more. He's been featured on 60 Minutes, ESPN, CNN, Fox, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and in many other media outlets across the United States, Israel, and around the world. His career on the basketball court came to a halt in 2009, and he reinvented himself. What was the transition from basketball into entrepreneurship like? His Jewish faith and the role it's played in his success, his upbringing, his challenges, and more in an inspiring conversation with the truly remarkable and humble Tamir Goodman. Amir Goodman, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It really is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for thinking of me. I've been interviewed countless of times since age 16, and I've never done one on money. So it's a well, first for me. Well, let's let's dive in. And I think so much of your story is bigger than the money. There's going to be so many financial lessons, I think, and lessons on bitachon and making financial choices. But before we even get to that, I think we should share with readers a little bit of the backstory, because there's so much about your story that inspires us as a Jewish nation, but the world at large. And a big piece of this is you becoming a basketball superstar while also staying committed to your Jewish faith. So maybe take us a little bit back to, you know, your upbringing, your entry into the world of basketball and the role Judaism played in in, in that. Yeah. So I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and I fell in love with basketball at a very young age. Um, but I really, really, really loved it. And I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a division one basketball player and a professional basketball player. But I wanted to do that without playing on Shabbat. And one time I came into the kitchen after I was playing with my brothers and they were older than me and they beat me. And I was crying. I was sad that I lost. And um, my brother said to my mother, Ima, tell Tamir to just chill out. It's just a game. We're older than him. We're supposed to beat him. Like, why is he taking it so seriously? And I looked at my mother and I said, Ima, but it's not just a game for me. It really means more than that. I really, really, really love basketball. 
And she just like looked at me with her eyes and like that, that, you know, even though she didn't really know anything about basketball, but she just, the way she looked at me, she gave me the confidence that she was going to back me and be with me. And that was like a very big game changing moment for me. Wow. That, that in and of itself, such a lesson, right? Because as parents, sometimes we get, we kind of project on our kids and we're like basketball, like, please come on kid, right? You got to do something real with your life. Right. Right. And it seems Um, like your parents were very supportive all along. Yeah, my parents were unbelievable. I always say, like, I grew up in the perfect place at the perfect time, you know, with the perfect family and the perfect coach and the perfect community, perfect rabbis, all that. Like, it would have never happened unless I grew up, you know, where I grew up, how I grew up, things like that. So it was perfect, perfectly ordained. Um, Incredible how God puts the right people. You did say early that you knew at a young age that you wanted to play basketball and keep Shabbos. Um. How does a child from such a young age already like know? How did you make that conclusion, that connection? What was it? I think it was uh, my upbringing. Uh, my safta, my my safta, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, and she lived mm-hmm. with us uh, six months out of the year. And I always wanted to make her proud. I was closer to her than anybody else in the world. Um, also, this was the time when Lubavitch Rebbe was like doing the Lagboma parades in New York right. and things like that. And, uh, you know, we would go to them as kids and hold up signs for Shabbat. I have one picture of walking in front of the rabbi wearing my Air Jordans, my sneakers, uh, <laughs> but rallying for, you know, all the causes that he was talking about on Lagboma. And I guess like the worlds of like the physical and the spiritual and the way that I grew up and knowing that Hashem, it's okay for Hashem wants me to be a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the way that I grew up and that, that, that it all worked out really well because of my upbringing and the Jewish education that I had. And I guess the association with Chabad and the shul that I went to and things like that. And I also had, you know, my coach who lived three blocks away from us who till today is, you know, I, you know, he's uh, my, my biological father passed away many years ago, but I I still have my coach and, you know, he's basically always been like, kind of like a father to me. So. Wow. It's so beautiful to hear you say that because we're coming out of Parsha Snoach and I was, and we're coming into Lech Lecha, right? And I was just think reading over, over Shabbos about this concept that is so, so important for us to internalize about making a dwelling place for God in the world, right? And it's not, we're coming out of Tishrei. It's not about the spirituality. It's like about coming into the world and really dealing with the flood of the world, right? And the the challenges of the material existence. But that's by being in it with our Judaism, that's how we elevate all of that. That's how we, that's exactly what God wants us to do. And your story is such a beautiful example. You're, you're walking as a child knowing I want to be a basketball player, but I'm going to infuse this, 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 this space, right? With godliness. It's, it's right. an incredible and, thing. Uh, Everybody always used to say, well, it doesn't like the Judaism get in the way of basketball. And because of what you just said, I always felt it was the exact opposite because like, because I'm trying to make the basketball holy, then it's such a physical thing. But everything I'm doing is really serving Hashem because like, if I'm eating the right way, because like, I have, you know, to help my body, put my position, my body in a good situation to hopefully play well. And I'm, you know, and I'm resting and, um, you know, all these things are actually holy, you know, because they've Amazing. now become part of my Vodat Hashem, my service of God. So the basketball always helped me be a better, better Jewish person. And the basketball helped me in my relationship with Hashem. My whole relationship with Hashem is always, always was and always will be through basketball. I always, that way I am. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean? Is that, is that an ongoing conversation as you're in the court? Like, what does that mean, practically speaking? 
it just meant that like I always try to play for a higher purpose. And that that helped me very much because I was never satisfied when things were going well because I always felt like there was much more. It wasn't about my own ego. It was about something mm. bigger than myself. So it gave me more motivation and I worked harder and I trained harder and I practiced harder. And then when things weren't going well, I was able to pick myself up because I'd mess up where I'm like, I can't, I, I have, this isn't about me. It's about something bigger than myself. So, yeah. you know, that, that always helped me, you know, till today. And also just in general, I always felt closer to Hashem in movement in in, in training in, in, in basketball. I, I, I always feel closer to Hashem on the basketball court than anywhere else in the world. It, it's just the way I was born and the way I am. And even till today, like, you know, I don't play professionally anymore, but my whole day is based on basketball principles that also are unified with service of Hashem. Such an important message, right? That we're here, whatever we're doing is not about us. There's something bigger. Like if we've been, if we've been given this day today, it's because the creator of the world needs us to do something. So it's really not about me, but it's about the mission. Something that we say on the show a lot. It's not, it's not about the money. It's about what I'm here to do with the money, right? It's not about just the career and my ego. It's like, what am I here to change? What am I here to contribute towards? Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously like a lot of basketball principles that, that help for money. You know, I still wake up super early every day and I'm mentally ready and physically ready. And I, you know, I, I'm very resilient and I'm very organized and I have time management and I'm not mm. scared. I don't, I face, I'm not scared of challenges or fears or I have a good game plan and I know how to pivot. And I know I have all these basketball things, but really it's the Jewish principles of like trying to make decisions from your, the right side of your heart or like Judaism, like you save one person, you save the whole world. Like same thing with marketing. Like if you're good to one client, you know, it's more powerful than any ad you'll take out on any newspaper yeah. or ever, you know, uh, all these Jewish concepts are like, that's the way I, I view money too. You know, making yeah. decisions, like not making decisions from like, like this whole competition world out there of like, if I help you, then you're going to get the client instead of me, or you one time didn't help me. So why would I help you? Like this whole negative energy of like revenge and jealousy and all that, like Judaism teaches us, don't make decisions from that part of your heart. Make decisions from like optimistic side, the confident side, the yeah. side that's closer to Hashem and your organic self. And, and that's all part of faith. And I think like, it's also healthy in business and and that's the way I try to do everything is try to be mm -hmm. nice to everybody, try to help. There's so many times in my life that I meet people, people ask to meet me on a daily basis that in theory, there's no reason for us to meet. Like why you have nothing going on in your business life that I do. And I always meet with them. And I always say wow. yes, because you never know. There's like a million times where I like meet something that seems no relevance. And then Hashem brings so much relevance. Oh my gosh, I just spoke to someone else yesterday. I know this other person. or And it always comes together because Hashem is one, Hashem Echad. So the whole world is connected to that oneness. So I always try to say yes to everyone. I try to be as optimistic and try to help everyone and live live my life that way, I guess. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yes, having that consciousness that there's consciousness that there's divine providence, right? And if if, if something landed on your played, you know, there must be a reason. It's, it's, it's so incredible. And, and this idea that you mentioned, like we are in business to serve others, right. And by me, it's, it's, it's just a higher perspective. Um, and that it's not limited just because somebody gets the deal doesn't mean that I'm not going to get my Parnassa, my money, right? There's infinite and God has for everybody. And what's allotted to you, nobody else can interfere with that. So you just have to go out and serve, not be concerned with any of that. Yeah. And I just had a very big example of that personally in my life, you know, about 10 years ago, I invented a basketball product and I put everything I got into this product. I, all the basketball knowledge I had, all the money, everything patented, everything. And it got stolen from me blatantly by a major company. Wow. And they got theirs in Dick's Sporting Goods. 
like the one that was stolen and it, it was across America and Europe. And I told my wife, I was like, after that happened, like, I don't think I'm, it's worth it to invent things because like someone could just steal it and it's not worth it. We try to do all the right things and it's right. gone. Right. And then the pandemic, then the pandemic came and all my other work got shut down because basketball, the gym was shut down. Everything's was shut down. And we got a email saying like, we can't pass a basketball anymore because there's bacteria on the ball. Uh -huh. So I was like, well, why don't we create an antimicrobial and moisture wicking net? So like when you make a shot, it disinfects the ball when it, as it goes through the net and then the players will be safer. So thank God I went against my own promise and I invented that and patented that. And now years later, which I never, ever thought was ever going to happen. I just signed with Dick Sporting Goods nationwide with my new product. And That's crazy. I, yeah, exactly what you say. Like if Hashem wants you to be in Dick Sporting Goods, you're going to get there. Even right. if another huge company steals it one day, your idea or what, you know, if it'll like no one could take away your blessings that, that Hashem has for you. And I think like, that's a very calming thing to know. It's a really, really helpful yeah. to know that. Wow. That. What a story to me. Amazing. So let's, let's talk about the pivot. Cause we've already segued into it a little bit. You, you know, you eventually fulfilled your dream to move to Israel and you're playing mm -hmm. for amazing Israeli teams, but you end up retiring from the game due to injury. What was, what was that decision like? Did you have a plan B then? What was what was that pivot, that reinvention like into, you know, Tamir, now the businessman? Right. So um, the answer is, the answer is no, but I just want to share two things. Number yeah. one is like, that's very important. I never, well, the main thing is I never, ever, ever, ever quit. Like I did not stop playing basketball until like I absolutely knew a million percent that Hashem didn't want me to play anymore. Like every mm -hmm. surgery, every rehab, every, I came back from three career ending injuries. Like, and uh -huh. I, I'm so, it helped me know that when it finally was time, like I called my wife from the locker room and I, my last injury. And I, I told her, I just exactly what I'm like, Hashem doesn't want me to play anymore. And I knew it. And I was wow. like, at peace with it because I never quit early. Like that's mm -hmm. like one thing that has really helped me. Um, is this an inner really, voice? Like when you know, like there was an inner voice that you knew at that point. I just knew because my body, there was no way there was just mm -hmm. no, no way my body would be, it was, I was done. Like that last injury. Like I just, there's no, it's impossible. It's no way, right. but I was proud. I was more proud that I never quit than I was uh, like earlier part of my career when everything was really smooth. And then, you know, the second part is, no, I wasn't prepared. You know, first of all, I'm very dyslexic. I can barely read, write, or do basic arithmetic till today. Mm -hmm. My entire life was training basketball. It's the only thing I knew before school, right. during school, after school, my whole life. And then one day, you're like, you can't do your favorite thing in the world ever again. Like the doctor's like, you never want to see me. That's what he told me. He's like, you never want to see me again. So for me in my life, and I don't know if I everyone could get this, but I give them a bracha and I hope that they could find it. But like for me, having my wife, you know, having my ultimate blessing in my wife is like was everything for me because mm -hmm. like I could, you know, when she met me, it was like I was at the top of my career playing professionally. Yeah. Everything's great. And now I, it's all that's gone. But she could look at me with the same love and support and just say, I got you. We got this. You know, here's what we're going to do. And I always have your back. It allows you like to like keep going and, 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 or like she says, you know, everything's the same. We're just wearing a different uniform, you know, and uh -huh. it's true. I like you that. Know? And, um, so, you know, I, I have 
I, I have been blessed with that, that I have the most incredible wife and supportive wife. And that allowed me to, you know, I had to go back and finish school. First of all, I never finished college. Like she just did baby steps with me. You know, here's a guy that could, uh-huh. I, and she's like a professional superstar writer working for like the biggest marketing agency. And I could barely read and write. And like, she literally like carried me through because I didn't know anything else. All I knew was basketball, wow. playing basketball. And, um, you know, with her love and support and help, uh, I was able to, you know, pick myself up, I guess, and, and find all these blessings that I never even knew I had inside of me. Right. Um, right. And, and I so think I, one of the things that, that you didn't say, but we discussed earlier, and it's probably part of, part of this piece of your story is that you developed that relationship with God for all those years. And so yeah. when the tough time came, right, it's like you were able to also lean on that. It's that bitachon piece of, oh, I have a relationship with you and this is not going well, but I trust that somehow this is going to work out that you're, you're catching me. And part of that is having a wife who's there for me. Right. But, but it, it, I think, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I think your relationship with Hashem probably played a big part in, in during this time, challenging time. Always has and always will. And I think when we talk about our relationship with Hashem, to me, at least I'm not a rabbi or anything like that. I'm definitely not a righteous person, but (laughs) I think the authenticity authenticity is the main thing. And I can mm-hmm. honestly say that like me and Hashem were alone for many, many years playing in the most crazy places in the world, you know, and I would always like say, wow, there's never been a Jewish person in this locker room before. There's no mm-hmm. way a Jewish person ever like wore tzitzit here or davened here or anything like that. And it was always just me and Hashem playing in all these crazy places. And till today, it's like a weird thing. I can't, uh, disconnect from that so for example like i will always every day put on my feeling like absolutely as early as possible and i I, because it was always me and hashem like we just that's the way we were it was always me and hashem in a crazy place in a dark cold like whatever davening you know so it's like till today like i will daven super early even on shabbat super early like Mm -hmm. let's say you put on 5 15 like or then whenever that's what i'm doing and then i go to show with my kids and just I'm there with them and everything like, but I can't like, that's my, my relationship. Like I can't move away from that because all the years we were always alone and together mm-hmm. type of thing. So even now I'm 40 and everything, there's like a couple things in my life that I still do as if I was an active player because of the way it was with Hashem. And I, I don't wow. know any other way. I don't know any, I can't leave it. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so, so there's this pivot and you start taking classes, you finish your, your, your basic bachelor's. What, what was next? How did you and your wife decide, okay, well, maybe let's try this. I mean, let's try that. Like, how did you even enter into this new world? Now you have, like you mentioned your inventions, you run camps. There's so much that you're doing. You do business consult consulting. I mean, it sounds yeah. so big now, but you know, when we're back at that point where, what do I do with my life? It's, 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 it's like you said, baby steps. What was the next step? Yeah. So I had two huge, big challenges that happened to me in my life. One was my second college coach. Uh, after my first coach changed the schedule for me and I was able to play without playing on Shabbat and live out my dream. Like I was the happiest in the world. But then unfortunately mm-hmm. he got fired and a new coach came in mm-hmm. and he was anti-Semite and he assaulted me in the locker room very badly. What? And that's why I left. Yeah. That's why I left college basketball. And I came to Israel to play professionally after that. That was like a terrible, terrible very extremely painful moment in my life. So, um, and the second really big challenge was getting hurt. So like, I feel like I got like knocked out so much in my life because what happened with the coach and then the injuries and I couldn't ever play again. So it made me extremely sensitive, uh, sensitive to struggle, 
sensitive to kids that may be going through challenges, anyone mm-hmm. who's lost their dream. Cause I lost my dream. And like through that is kind of when I really realized like, wow, God put me through this to make sure every other basketball player never has to experience something like this. And that was like my healing. And that's when I started the camps and clinics and I started to get really good at that, you know, like really like, wow, I could see a kid that's struggling. Mm -hmm. And because I have a lot of basketball knowledge, I could say like, I could almost guess like what's going on in their life. And then I could give them a feeling of accomplishment very quickly because like, that's just what God gave me on the basketball court. I could help people get better quicker. And then I'm really like, wow, I'm I'm changing these kids' lives. Wow. So I think I've, by this point, I've worked with over 20,000 kids. Um, so I realized like right away, like that's one big area. So educational initiators through basketball. I wrote my first book um, through because of that. It all with the energy of like helping the next generation of players and kids. And, you know, that was really one big side of it. And then uh, the entrepreneurship came in because like when you're very dyslexic, so like your brain compensates all day long because mm-hmm. you can't read or write. So it's exercising other parts of the brain all day long. So like a lot of times the flex of people see solutions that other people aren't seeing. So I would see mm-hmm. them on the court. Like like coach would say, don't, we don't throw that pass in basketball, never. But like I would throw it and it would go through and the player would catch it and make the basket. And, the, and, and it was like, what? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's like I'm seeing it differently. I see, I could see angles that other people aren't seeing. Wow. So that's how I got into my first invention. The Zone 190 was all about angles. It was all about a basketball device that, it was never been created before, you know? So then I'm like, wow, I got it into the NBA like very quickly. I'm like, wow, I, I invented something that's in my garage that's now using the best players in the world are loving. So that's how I got into the entrepreneurship. And um, then companies, you know, found out about it. And wow, that's pretty, you know, and kept on going and going and going. And now, you know, with my net, thank God it's going really well. And it's, I think it's changing basketball around the world because of its, we have three unique components. It's antimicrobial moisture wicking. And we also made this thing, the special advertising opportunity. So like every time you make a basket in basketball, like the net is the biggest real estate because everyone's looking at the hoop. So right. we created a device that you, companies could put their logo on the net. So when there's- Oh, that's replay, brilliant. Yeah. So we're just signed with a bank in Israel. And in like two weeks, it's going to be the first time that a bank or a corporate sponsor is going to be on the net in game in a professional game. And I believe that that's going to change basketball around the world, but it all comes from the brokenness, the, what happened to me in college with the player. And then what happened to me with my injuries and just kind of reframing everything and saying like, Hashem's not mad at me. Hashem's not punishing me. Hashem is just Mm. trying to like help me transition and realize like things inside of me that I never would have ever come out, you know, if I would have kept playing basketball. It's, it's such, so important. Like no challenge is ever for not, right? And it, it, even the dyslexia, you see like Hashem gives you something, but it's for something else. It's like, wow. Now, now, now Tamir, I, I heard you say, I heard you say recently in a, in a, in a post that you just mentioned the dyslexia. You also mentioned you came into your marriage with no financial literacy. I want to backtrack a little bit. And by the way, most of us do, <laughs> but I want to backtrack a little bit. And, and as you're building this career and you're this young star, um, up, you know, really making it at what point do does the money start coming in and you start realizing maybe I should become a financial adult? Maybe there's something here. What point does it start happening and you start realizing, oh, there's money to be made here and I, I need to be doing something with it? Was, was there anything like that? Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, I think it all starts from a younger age. It's not only the money, it's a lot of things. And I, I'm a little bit of an advocate of for this now. But when we were growing up, it was like basketball was everything. 
practice mm-hmm. was everything. You didn't spend any time on anything else except for practice. So like I can remember getting, I was invited to meet with the president and I said, no, I had practice. Like I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, now that I'm older, like, but it's like, or like anytime there was like a family simcha or like a bar mitzvah or like a wedding, it was like in the best case scenario, I would go for like a couple of minutes and run right out of there and go right back to practice. So it's like, are you serious? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like coaches. Okay. We, now that I'm like, we need to do a better job of saying like, there's life outside of basketball and it's important to go to a birthday party. It's important to go to your brother's graduation. It's nothing's going to happen. Yes. Basketball is important and you have to train whenever you can. But like, so I, I suffer, I didn't suffer. I mean, I was like that. I was one of those people that like up until Shabbat, I was in the gym. The second Shabbat was over. All my other friends were going like, I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym. Like, but that's what it takes to, you know, you're, there's only like 1% that's actually going to play in college, but, right. but on the other hand, there is a little bit more balance. So with that comes like the financial literacy, the, you don't, everything you got is going just to the game. So mm-hmm. other areas of your life are really lacking. So now that I'm coaching, I do try a little bit, or even with my son who I see has the same, he's doing it the same way. I always mm-hmm. say, you know, Matanel, it's okay. Just go, go with your friends or, or go, you know, have, I want him to try to be a little bit more balanced, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't really pressure him. I don't, I don't teach it. Like, I don't really do anything with basketball. My father didn't either. Like the only thing my father ever taught me was one time I hit a game winning shot and I raised the roof, like back in the nineties, we used to raise the roof. <laughs> I raised the I raised the roof and my father said, you know, a Jewish person doesn't act like that. You must always practice humility. And Hashem gave you basketball. That's the only thing my father ever, ever yeah. said ever in my whole life about basketball. He never said you should have shot, should have had better defense. He should have made a pass. You should, I, so I'm the same way with Matano, with my, and we have five kids, Baruch Hashem, but wow. Matano is the one I, that I see has chosen basketball as his life. So I'm the same way as my father, just unconditional love and support. I don't say anything about basketball unless he asks me, but when I do, come in is like, I want him to be, have a normal life a little bit too, and learn about other things and experience other things. Cause I see that he has the same work ethic and, mm. you know, like, um, what was it on Friday? Yeah. Friday, he didn't have a practice. He finally didn't have a practice on Friday morning. So I said, no, let's go somewhere. I don't know. Go get ice cream, go do something else. Like I tried to, but he still right. wants to play. He still wants to play, but at least he knows that like, so that's an option and it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's, it's such an important lesson. And it, uh, I, I mean, you said your father didn't tell you anything else, but I think those were the, the key words. Like, that's it. That can carry you through your entire career right there. Yeah. He was, a, he was the best. He was the best. My father was the best. Was that's incredible. So now, that now going back to this money piece. So a young person starts making a lot of money and they could really you know, kind of become arrogant or kind of start blowing it. Right. Um, and, and this is again, where you were similar to what you were saying before that Jewish principles really shaped you so much more than, you know, other principles perhaps. And that's where Judaism also comes in, right? You could be making all this money, but what, how, how do I make the right choices with money? And I find in my own personal life, hopefully maybe you agree that Judaism really has informed how I behave with my money. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, a couple of like, no doubt, a hundred percent. Um, a couple of things in general, I'm extreme. I just a very, very basic and simple person. Like mm. the materialism doesn't, uh, pull to me in any way. And right. I think 
because of basketball doesn't meaning I've been to the locker rooms. I've seen the players. I've seen what they do with their money. I see what happens with the materialism and I see that it doesn't have a good ending. And I see that oftentimes they end up being even more sad. And so that was like, you know, one thing, obviously the Judaism and the way that was raised. And then the third thing was like, I think because numbers were my, uh, my pain point in life always. Yeah. Like I almost like, it just wasn't, I almost like turned off a little bit from all that because it was like right. a painful thing. I just not, it just not, it wasn't like a big thing. You know, now I have a big family. I have five kids, you know, Hashem, and, and the expenses are like crazy as everybody right. knows who has a big family. So you have no choice but to pick yourself up. But at least that's what it was, at least in the beginning when it was just my wife and I. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Now you talk about the kids and I, and I think you've shed some light into some important parenting lessons, but let's, let's dive in a little bit more because, um, a lot of, you know, one of the, the, you mentioned the Rebbe before and I, the Rebbe has, there's a book called Hayom Yom you're probably familiar with. And, and it's a daily aphorisms by his late father-in-law. And one of them there, it's actually one of my favorites speaks about the fact that if you are, if you're talented in pearls, let's say, I think that's example that's given and you're baking bread, even though baking bread is very necessary for society and for people out there, if you're not using your talent in pearls, it's, it's, it's a disgrace. It's, it's almost like a sin, right? Because God wanted you to use that talent. And evidently, you know that you did that. But very often parents struggle with that. Like I said earlier, we project and we say, well, you got to make a career because you got to pay the bills and you got to make the money. Right. And we we kind of instill these fears on, on our children, whereas God has, has said to us, you just make the vessel and I will take care of the livelihood. Like I've given you talents. Don't start making calculations about this. How do how do what do you think about this? How do you how do we help people with this? Yeah, I think it's such an important lesson. And it's so like the, they say the saddest thing in the world is when someone doesn't reach their potential. Like that, yeah. they say that's hell. Like, like right. I went there to share about that. You go, what's hell? Like you go up to, to the Shemaim and Hashem says, this is what you could have been. And here's where you were. And like, that makes you feel terrible, right? Right. Like so Susha, we why weren't you Susha? You know that story about Rav Susha of Anapoli? You know no, the story? Is that, is that the lesson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. That, that Susha was in his deathbed and his followers like, why are you scared, Susha? Like, why are you so nervous? You're such a tzaddik. You're such a righteous individual. And Susha says, no, you don't understand. I'm not scared. I'm just, I'm only scared about they're going to ask me. They're not going to ask me, you know, why weren't you like Moses? Why aren't you like Abraham? They're going to ask me, Susha, why weren't you Susha? Right? Why didn't you right. reach the potential that Susha had? So right. crazy. Yeah, there's nothing like believing in your unique journey because it gives you a healthy self-confidence and you're much able to much more able to help people and give back to the world when you know who you are. You know, right. it's like you don't have to put other people down. You don't have to feel jealous. You know, it's like the healthiest way to live. Um, I do remember going to meet with Rabbi Krinsky years ago, the Rebbe's secretary, maybe 25 years ago, you know, wow. kind of like when I was starting to really get and we spoke for a while in his office and he told me that once a sculptor came to the Rebbe um, and the, which is considered, you know, cause it says you're not supposed to like make an image and make this. And the Rebbe gave them a blessing, gave the sculptor a blessing that he should use his talent for Hashem, even in that area. So wow. he said, I would say for basketball, you know, it, it would probably be more, even more so the same thing. But I found out later the end of the story that the sculptor, um, made a beautiful piece and it's actually here in Yerushalayim where we live mm. and outside of the hospital, Hadassah hospital. And it, 
And somebody once mentioned to the rebel, like, how can this be? Or what is it? Where is there even anything for it? It's like a phoenix bird. It's a sculpture mm-hmm. of a phoenix bird. And, and the rebel gave them a source in Judaism, somewhere in Tanakh about it. Wow. Where it says something about that type of bird, meaning like back off, let everybody use their talents for Hashem. That's how they create a dwelling place for Hashem. That's how they have a healthy and meaningful life and can give back easier. And I think it would be really sad if we felt like Hashem gave us our talents to ignore them. I, I, yeah. I can't imagine why Hashem would make that investment without wanting the return. <laughs> right, right. A good point. Yeah, without the re- that's the the return, and and we can't we like you said before. Don't about the materialism, right? Don't get bogged down with with this because it it, it all seems to work out. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why they say I was listening today, like May Noah, like this in this week's parsha, like right. how can the flood, which represents uh, so much devastation, be Noah in Hebrew means comfort. How can right. it be the water of comfort, and it's. Because when we don't feel the anxiety and we don't feel overwhelmed and we realize that this like these are like opportunities of growth and they end up being the comforted waters instead of waters of flood, you know, yeah. and, and devastation. Yeah. But it takes totally. a lot of work <laughs> and mental uh mental exercises. Yeah, which uh, you've been mastering from a young age. <laughs> yeah. Physical, physical for sure. As I get older, a little bit better at mental. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I could see that. Talking about mental, before we wrap it up, what are some of those, you know, mental things from the from from being a player that you brought into your business life as an entrepreneur? Yeah, you have to, you know, in basketball, you have to get on the court and you have to be optimistic and you have to be confident and you have to have a game plan, but you also have to sometimes still believe in the game plan even if it's not going well, but sometimes you have to make adjustments in the game plan. Like if you see it's not going right, mm. you know, so you have to have all these things in life too. Like, when do I ask for help? When do I say to myself, you know, what can that person do that I couldn't do for myself? You know, it's, it's like the Ramam says, there's a balance, but all in all basketball has definitely taught me to be able to miss a lot of shots and keep yeah. on shooting. And I think that's the main thing in life. It's like, we're all going to miss a lot of shots. Everybody misses shots, but but you got to get that ball and keep shooting, you know, and eventually you make them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, we're going to wrap it up, but I actually remembered a question that um, we talked about. You you said I was never into the material part and I shied away from the numbers. What was your upbringing around business and finance and money like growing up? Was there, were there any lessons that you learned from your parents, maybe grandparents that you feel like shaped you? Yeah. I, you know, I'm 40 now, like I said, and I, I'm still just beginning to wrap around my head around my house, which was the ultimate house of like chesed and giving. And, and, you know, I even remember my father, blessed memory, he was a lawyer and there was a Jewish prisoner that he got sentenced for like 20 years for like money, stealing some type of crime like that. And my father um, said to the judge, don't worry, he's going to live in our house and let him finish out his sentence like that. And he, yeah. And my father did not care what anyone said in the community. How can you raise your, your kids with, with a prisoner in the house? And some of my earliest memories are, he had a special thing on his, uh, on his ankle that they could always track him. And he would have to, the police could call at any time on the special phone and he'd have to like recognize his voice. And he, after like a year of being in our house, I remember my father saying, we're going, to, this guy's name was David. He's like, we're going to get David to go to show for Rosh Hashanah of Yom Kippur. We're going to get special permission. And my father's fighting and fighting and going to the court and going to the judge. And I remember finally Yom Kippur came. My father got him a kittel 
this guy was a prisoner. He was in jail for so long. He put it on the white kit doll and he walked to show with us for the first time. It was like a moment that I'll never forget. Um, you know, my father, everybody knew like any issue they had, they could come to my father, like just <laughs> he'll, he'll figure out a solution for them. And my mother, oh, Hashem, she's still alive, but like just seeing my mother late at night, especially on Friday nights, like coming, we would come home from show and my mother, just like, she could not move. Like she was just so beyond exhausted because the whole week she just gave and gave and gave and shared and shared and shared. And every single person who came to ask for help or tzedakah or anything, like my mother always used to say to us, like, it must be so hard for them to come ask. It must be so embarrassing. There's no way we could turn them down, you know? And I, that that's, when I think of like my house and my upbringing, I think about Chesed and and my right. father, whose entire life was was Chesed. And um, yeah, we go on for hours, but that, that that's Chesed. that's the most important financial lesson right there. Let me tell you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that really is. And 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 that segues us into what I like. I like to wrap it up always with what I call Jewish money matters. Uh, fill in the blanks. And the first one is mm-hmm. when I give Meister or Tadaka, I like to give to Chabad. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I was thinking as you're saying the story, I'm like, your father's the ultimate shliach. Like who, who does that? Who goes out of his way like that to take yeah. a prisoner into their home? Like that's, it takes such commitment to, an, to, a, to a Havas Israel, to the real, the real belief in a Havas Israel and loving a fellow Jew, right? Yeah. I could say my father really, really, really loved the Rebbe. My father fought a lot for the Rebbe's causes in the seventies and the eighties, even though he didn't per se, have that education or anything, but he had that neshama and that activism. And I, I mean, I guess I could say the Rebbe, like, you know, I'm sure the Rebbe knew what my father was doing for Chabad too. Yeah. And he won a lot of cases for them and helping wow. them get zoning, zoning issues and all sorts of, of things. And uh, after, one day I'll send you an article after this. Oh, I would <laughs> um, love that. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Please do. And my brother is actually asked for Chabad too. So. Oh, very nice. Where is he? In Florida. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Tamir, money, spiritual or physical? Spiritual. Everything for me is more on the spiritual side, I guess. Right. Right. And finally, I'm Tamir Goodman. And today I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful for my family. I I think that it's the ultimate blessing. If you could find the, your person, your better half, then everything else will fall into place. I always say like, there's so many billions of people in the world. How did I find my wife? Like I we've been married now for almost 20 years and i i still ask that question every day and i i don't think i'll ever have an answer so i just right. think i should thank her right right only hashem can do it you know you've just given us in these last 30 minutes really good points about what is important and meaningful what makes a rich life and what we should be pursuing right a good spouse and our mission right that's it like focus on your mission get the right people on your team so to speak and the rest, the rest falls into place. Yeah, I would just add one last thing. Like, I think it's, at least for us, it's been really helpful. Like, we always dreamed of living in Yerushalayim. And I think it's very important to live where you really want to live. I think yeah. like, that's, a, that's an important thing. It'll help your business because you'll be, you're in a place where, like, you're committed to the place and the community. And you get to meet people and you want to, you get involved in different things. And I think a lot of times, sometimes when people don't live where they really want to be living. It, it could hurt their business goals, I would say. Cause like when you're, when you're committed to a certain place and you really want to be there, you, you get the most out of that place and the people there's community around you is re- really helpful. I would say. I'm taking notes. That's a very good practical tip. I hadn't thought about it, but I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. That's a good one. Thank you, Tamir Goodman. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you Bye. so much. 
Wow, thanks to Tamir Goodman for stopping by. You can find him at tamirgoodman.com. May I suggest we listen to this episode again? I know I will. So many nuggets of wisdom that apply to us regardless of what career we're building. Maybe you're not even building a career. Maybe you're building a home. Whatever whatever you're engaged in, there is so much. There's so such incredible lessons to help you do that better, much better, I think. And so If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to not only listen again, but really be sure to leave a review on Apple podcast and maybe even click that share button and share it via via messenger or WhatsApp with a friend who you love. And I will see you here Friday. I'll be answering your questions like I do every week. You can email those to me at yael at yaeltrush.com. You can DM me on Instagram at yaeltrush or you can WhatsApp the number 832-317-6778. With your questions, I'll be sure to answer. See you here Friday. Have a great week.